What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Inventory with your host, Ben Kuchapudi, and your favorite point guard, Tyler Graham. And hi, it's Grace again. I'm back <laughs> now. I'm here forever. She's always here. Yeah. Indefinitely. Indefinitely. That makes me sound like I'm going to leave eventually. Um, no, you're under contract for life. Okay, good. How much am I getting paid per year? I don't uh, know. Whatever Xander Bogarts, we have that 10 year decade contract um, for you. All right. Yep. That's pretty good. I'll take that. We'll take that. We'll take that. To start, we have the planes tonight, ladies and gents. Uh, Thunder Timberwolves. Grace, what are you feeling about this game? I think this is a really even game. I like it a lot. They both played pretty well in their first round, um, first play-in game. I, Thunder, the combination of SGA and Giddy is clicking so well right now. They they both played so well the other day. And I really am just a big fan of this OKC team because I think they were built so properly. But um, Mini really deserved to win versus the Lakers. And they just played such sloppy basketball. Obviously, they were missing Gobert. Um, and, like, how much does that throw off their team chemistry? Probably, like... A little bit. I'm gonna go with OKC here. I like their momentum a lot, but I'm not. I don't think it's a wash. I don't think they're gonna dominate. I hope they do, but I think Mini is is a really good team, also. So I'm gonna go with Thunder here, but it's it's not gonna be an easy game for them. Understandable, well, Ben. How you feeling about this playing game tonight? For me, I'm obviously Ty. We're both St. Joe's alums. I would love to gun for our boy Cat here, but Minnesota, if they played like they did against the Lakers for the first three quarters, they were going to blow this Thunder team out. But that fourth quarter was the most, just one of the most disgusting displays of offense I've ever seen. Every play was an isolation for Anthony Edwards. Cat didn't even get the ball in the post. And I feel like Cat and Cat was their best player. Yeah. They, were, they were scoring at will when Cat was on the floor because mm-hmm. there was a lot of focus on him. And also, shout out to Mike Conley. He was the savior of that game. They wouldn't have been in that game if it wasn't for Conley also. Absolutely. But Anthony Edwards, that fourth quarter was... That whole game for Anthony Edwards was... It was painful to watch because he says he's not scared of the lights, but lights shine on him in LA and he crumbled. Yeah, and he they, have, they got Braun and AD in a good roster, but the Timberwolves, I feel like, definitely should have won that game in LA. And I get they're dealing with injuries, not only to Rudy Gobert, but to Jaden McDaniels too, so that's they're starting small for it and they're starting center who are the two of the best defenders on the team out for um indefinite time um as for the thunder i thought they played a great game against the pelicans new orleans is always a loud place to play in and sga josh giddy lou door also played a great game i just think um i just think uh sga and giddy can keep it up in minnesota so i had the thunder winning this one in a close game and I'm just really happy with the Thunder have done because they're set so well. They're set up so well for the future, especially with Chet Holmgren coming back next season. Yeah. And I was going to have a plethora of picks. And Mark Dagonal just hats off to him. He deserve. He honestly deserves some votes for coach of the year, especially if Minnesota get not Minnesota OKC wins this game and becomes the eighth seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ty, what are your thoughts on this? First and foremost, watching that Timberwolves game, one big thing that stood out to me was actually two things. The absence of Rudy Gobert and foul trouble. As we all know, Carl Anthony Towns got into some 
ticky tackies phantom s call fouls late into that game and he was pulled for just a little too long because as you mentioned ben he was the driving force offensively for that team he went on a stretch where he made like eight consecutive shots before his first miss and he was killing the lakers and he got into some foul trouble got guys like lebron ad respected vets getting in the paint getting their foul calls so happened to be that 32 was getting the foul calls and he was being sent to the bench for a little too long and uh, the big thing about that is his absence called a huge size size uh, disadvantage for Minnesota. So going into this game for the Thunder, not only do the Minnesota have to watch out for their fouls and handsiness, but what is Rudy Gobert going to mean for this team? Thunder don't really have a true big man uh, with the absence of Chet Holmgren and not really playing other guys, but they have a lot of wings on their team. And Rudy Gobert is in the most mobile guy. So I don't know if they're going to, if they play Rudy Gobert, I don't know if they're going to draw him out to the three-point line and let everybody slash or what, because if that's the case, Conte, Towns, guys like that are going to, you know, slap at them and they're going to be sent to the line. The Thunder are pretty smart in that regard. Giddy got to the line a lot. Dort got to the line a lot. You don't want to put Shea in the line. He has the fifth best percentage in the league at free throws. And he averages like 14 makes per game for at the free throw line. So it's like, that's going to be a really, really tough going. Uh, Shea, little shaky. I like the defensive scheme Minnesota came out with. Uh, kept him somewhat scoreless for majority of the first half. And then he started cooking. Lou Dort, awesome play. Josh Giddy, awesome play. I think Jalen Williams has to take less shots, worry about more of the defensive side. He was like two for like nine or something like that. But I got the Thunder winning this game, even though I love to see Carl Anthony Towns eat. But I just think Minnesota has too much just going on and identity issues, uh, roll lackluster play. I, I have the Thunder winning this one and encountering Denver in the first series. Yeah. So all unanimous on the Thunder. Look at that. The 10 seed. Yeah. I yeah. just love like the way that they're built. And the patience that their owner had for Presti was insane. That they took, they they were able to build the right way. This doesn't happen in the NBA anymore. It's yeah. such a trade league, and obviously they acquired Shea in a trade. But he only he took what two three years to really properly develop into the guy he is today. Yeah, so I love the fact that they've really been able to. Most of these guys are homegrown guys, you know, Giddy. Jay well, they're all homegrown guys who they've just drafted, you know? Yeah. So and it's amazing. I love it. I, I definitely agree with Grace in that star. It's very hard to have a grassroots movement in the NBA now because everybody's so ticky tacky. I want results now, even mm -hmm. if I'm in a rebuilding state. But the Thunder is a franchise that's just trying to find an identity after the absence and departure of guys like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, even James Harden way back when. So the fact that they put the, the organization's hands in Sam Presti and are trusting the process, unlike other organizations, it's actually truly beautiful to watch that teams actually take pride in the people they employ. And they're reaping the benefits now. And this team is obviously a team to look out for the future. They control basically every draft, draft capital. So yeah. if you're a team looking for a draft, you could just call a guy in OKC and figure it out. So they're in a really good position to just do stuff, whether it is grow with the current roster, dispel talent, draft more talent. They're good at it all. They so, can trade for a star. They got yeah, so yeah. many freaking young yeah. talent. And it's also the fact that they made it to the play-in. I have think they have a strong chance to make it to the playoffs without Chet. Chet was their yeah. first-round pick. And pick. He, what was he taking? Second overall? Second, oh, yeah. So it's like they're doing this without, like you said, Ty, a proper center. Yeah. So it's I'm I'm really, really excited. They're my favorite team to watch in the West. And they're a team I'm like genuinely rooting for to succeed because of how well-rounded they are and how good they've been able to 
build the team. It doesn't happen like this. No, it doesn't. And the fact that their average age is 22 years old, it's weird. Like, yeah. it's just like this young in the league. Yeah, yeah. There, there's actually some college teams that are older than the Thunder. That's which is that SDSU team was yeah. older. Absolutely, absolutely. But going into the first round, obviously they're going to encounter the Nuggets. I think we all unanimously can agree that uh, Denver does well, their thing. Sadly, I think for yeah. OKC. Yeah. Ben, do you think the Thunder steal a game at all? Show up and do something Honestly, crazy? I think the Thunder could steal two games. I don't. I don't not. I'm not a huge Nuggets supporter by any means. I don't. This team doesn't show up in the playoffs. We've seen that for the past ever since 2019. There were a two seed in 2019 and lost to. Portland in seven games in the Western Conference semis. In 2020, they did make it to the to the conference finals. That was the bubble year. 2021, they got they um smacked the Blazers out of the first round and they got swept by the Nug but not the Nuggets, the Suns after that. And then they got gentlemen swept by the Warriors last season. This team just doesn't show up in the big moments. And Nikola Jokic very well could win his third year MVP this year. And they have guys surrounding him like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter. Um, even guys like uh, Bruce Brown. Um, I just don't think this Denver team is built for the playoffs. And I, and Nikola Jokic, this is a big postseason for him. We've seen how he's faltered in the playoffs for the last four years. Now, now he's got to prove himself. I think the Nuggets will win this series, though. I think it's going to be a six-game series. I think the I think the Thunder can steal a game in one of these first two games in Denver, and then steal a game and not steal a game, and then win it at home. Mm. But I just, I just think this Thunder team is too inexperienced to actually knock off the three, the two possibly three-time MVP in Jokic. So I got Denver in six in this one. But no matter how the se- the season ends for OKC, their fans should be proud of them. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I, th- I also, I think Denver's probably going to win, but I, I don't want to completely throw out the Thunder because if if the Thunder win tonight. Because I do think this team is like, they got a little something, you know, they got a little something cooking with their guys. And I do like, like you said, I do think they're a little inexperienced and it's going to be very difficult for them to win four games. But I definitely think they're going to drive them deeper than people might think. It might be a six, it might be a seven game series, which does make an impact in the next round in terms of, you know, endurance and energy and all that. And even um, wear and tear on the players' bodies. So just having an impact like that is is great too. But I like like you said, I don't I don't think they're gonna take that. I don't think they're gonna take the series win. But I would love if they took the series win. But Denver also does like to choke a bit. So not the Thunder. The Nuggets like to choke a bit. So I think it would be really interesting to see what happens if it ends up being the Thunder. But. Ultimately, I, I agree with what you said. It's it's probably going to be Denver in round two. Um, you know, it's just an eight-seed life. Yeah, yeah. eight-seed life. But I do think what's interesting about this is even if the Thunder take one game, I think the weaknesses and woes of the Denver Nuggets will be shown on film for their future opponents, which we mm-hmm. can get to which later. I think the thing about, thing, uh, about this Denver team is – what the supporting cast is going to do. I think Jokic is going to eat as he always does, but sometimes he has stretches where he just doesn't want to score and doesn't want to do certain things. He's very lazy on on defense, and the Thunder are a team that's fast. They're fiery, and the Nuggets are one of the slower teams in the NBA. They like to get established. They like low post, high screens, 
uh, you know, like those floppy plays. And it works. It works because Jokic can is a phenomenal passer. And him in the low block, he could find a Jamal Murray, find a Michael Porter Jr., find an Aaron Gordon who's found some somewhat of a jump shot and, and roll with the Nuggets. But I think the Thunder playing the style that they play it's it's going to be difficult for the Nuggets to handle at first. They'll get obviously acclimated, but I think whatever woes or weaknesses or kryptonite is shown by Denver through the Thunder series, it's going to become apparent when the the real competition starts heating up in the semis and conference finals. But I do obviously have the Nuggets, but I think the Thunder do take a game in Denver, but they lose all their games at home. Yeah, it's it's just it's an it's it's an eight seed life. It's we haven't seen an eight seed win against a one seed since. The We Believe team? Something like that. And then before that was like the Denver Nuggets, actually, with the Cayman Matumbo a while back. No, before that was actually our New York Knicks back in 99 yeah. when we made a run to the finals. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But the next one, obviously, you know, LeBron toe, Le- the LeBron show. Uh, Grace, how are we feeling about Grace? Yeah, Grace, how are we feeling about the Grizzlies Lakers? This is very um, unlikable series. <laughs> We have a very unlikable Grizzlies team. No offense to the Grizzly fans out there. It's just the fact they're, that Jaws, yeah, Jaws plastered himself like across every headline the entire year for his antics off the court, and then Dylan Brooks just happens to be one of the like just I don't even know pettiest players yeah. in the NBA. So. And then the Lakers, I really don't think this Lakers team is particularly great. Um, I don't think they're going to win this series, but I also don't love the energy of the Grizzlies right now, and I can very much see them choking in the first round, because that seems like something they'd exactly do. But I really don't think this Lakers team is good enough to win four games, like, I think LeBron is at a point in his career where he can no longer take over a series, you know? He's really good, and it's LeBron James, and he's in the greatest of all time conversation, as we know. But I just don't... He hasn't had that moment with the Lakers after 2020 where he just kind of takes over, and it's his time, you know? Obviously, he has had games, but I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think that... Obviously, Anthony Davis is a factor as well, and as long as he stays healthy, he's an excellent player. But I just, I just don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going to win. So I have the Grizzlies taking this series probably in six. But I, I'm just not. I just don't think this Lakers team is that good. I think they've improved after the deadline, but I don't think they're good enough to beat the Grizzlies as, as nightmarish of an off-the-court season that the Grizzlies have had. Shannon Sharp, jaw pulling guns on kids, everything else. I, I still think they eke out a first-round win, but it, it might be tough. Like, LeBron might lock in, and a, him and AD may lock in, and everyone just might start clicking. You know, they have yeah. a good defensive team, but I just don't see them being able to win four games against the Grizzlies. Yeah. Ben, how are we feeling? So this is going to be a very entertaining series because it's star study. You got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and John Morant. But the most intriguing matchup for me is Anthony Davis versus Jaron Jackson Jr., who 
I think he's been the defensive player of the year. He's been nothing short of outstanding for the team this year. Easily the second best player behind John Morant. Um, the Grizzlies, we, as we know, are a very immature team. John Morant pulling guns on kids and in clubs. Dylan Brooks running his mouth whenever he gets a chance. But the Lakers, like great, like Grace said, I don't have a lot of faith in them. LeBron is a, one of the best players on the planet still, but he's 38 years old. Yeah. He's old. And uh, Anthony Davis, he's played, he's played very well against the Grizzlies season. I know there's a crazy stat. I think he averaged like 20 rebounds against them in the games that he's played. Um, but for the Lakers, for them to win this series, they got to be able to stretch the floor and their shooters got to get going. And I think D'Angelo Russell's got to be that third score in the series because he was so bad in the game against Minnesota. Like one for nine. He had two points, 11% from the field. He was terrible. And guys like Malik Beasley, Troy Brown, they got to get going. Austin Reeves, I think Austin Reeves is going to have a pretty good series. He's been very good since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for Memphis... I haven't heard a lot of Desmond Bain lately. I've, I am a fan of Desmond Bain. I love he's one of the best shooters in the league. And Memphis does have some good shooters. Not John Brandt doesn't count as a good shooter, unfortunately. But uh, um, he's got they got Luke Kennard and uh, Desmond Bain. And um, I don't know. This is this is just going to be an entertaining series, especially with the media. You know, Skip and Shannon are going to be talking about the series more than any other series because of LeBron James and Memphis. But I think this is going to be a true grit and grind series. I think Memphis is going to squeak the series out in a seven-game series. I think this is going to be not the most exciting series, but it's definitely going to change a lot of narratives around a lot of players. To start, I think the Lakers, we're not really talking about the momentum they had coming in. Obviously, we have the historic. They started the season like 2-10 and or whatever that is. Yeah. And they won in an absorbent amount of games to finish the season. The only losses they've had recently are on April 5th against the Clippers in Chicago on March 26th. The past, like, 15 games, they've won. And in the season, uh, their record against Memphis, they encountered them three times, is 2-1. and one. one of the games, Westbrook dropped 30, and Davis dropped 30 as well. Um, I think this team can definitely come in and, I don't want to say, you know surprise Memphis, but they have to take the Lakers seriously. Uh, LeBron is always going to be LeBron. I don't care how old that guy is, his experience, IQ, the fact that he's LeBron James, he's going to get foul calls, he's going to be sent to the line, all that other stuff. That's a factor. Anthony Davis, as long as he's healthy, is a factor. He can take over games as well. However, the Lakers roster is booty cheeks. I'm saying it nicely, ladies and gents. Booty cheeks. Malik Beasley, trash. Troy Brown Jr., trash. Oh, my gosh. Rui Hachimura, Lost a jump shot. Lost a jump shot. Oh, my gosh. I like Austin Reeves, but I think D'Lo disappears. I'm a big fan of D'Lo's play. I've seen him throughout his career. However, D'Lo does not show up in situations like this. AR, Austin Reeves, he's going to do fine. LeBron's going to do fine. AD's going to do fine. But the rest of that cast does not help them at all. Regarding Memphis, Memphis goes on spills where they go scoreless. They can't find a bucket. They rely too heavy on the jaw pick and roll. And guess who's one of the best guys at defending the pick and roll? A LeBron. AD does the drop. He comes up, whatever he has to do. I think the Lakers and Darvin Ham are going to force Memphis to shoot a lot. And that's either going to be something they're going to have to pay for later or they're going to pray to the gods that they miss those jump shots. Because like you said, Ben, Desmond Bain, kind of a ghost right now. John Morant stretches where he cannot find a jump shot. And Luke Kennard has the highest three-four percentage in the league right now. I think he's shooting almost 50%. 
that's the thing. A guy like Luke Kennard, a guy like an Austin Reeves, or even a Dennis Schroeder, these guys are going to be guys that change the series because John Morant's going to give you what he gives you. Jaron Jackson Drew is going to give you what he gives you. I think Tyus Jones, who for the past five years has had the best assist turnover ratio in the league, these guys... These guys are going to be the X factor in this series. The main hitters, they're going to play, but it's the rest of the supporting cast. And I think Memphis edges the Lakers out, win in six games, because that Lakers roster is buns. Buns. That's how I feel about that, Ben. They do have a pretty weak bench. Oh, God. Which is such a factor in the playoffs. Terrible. So, like, I, I really, I really don't know. Like, the Lakers... Like I said, improved post-trade deadline, but I really don't think they've improved enough. But Memphis is a weird team. No, very weird team. I, I just think that they rely too heavily on the pick and roll with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. And mm. you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But eventually it's going to be a stalemate because you're running into a lot of bigger bodies uh, in L.A. They, they got tall men. Like the average height over there is like 6'9", 6'8". Like they got big dudes. And... If they have some sort of switch onto John Morant, you have like a wing defender like a Malik Beasley, a Troy Brown, and he does these drop picks and force Ja to shoot, can Ja hit those? You know, we love his slashing. We love his athletic dunks. But the guy's jump shot, mediocre at best. His field goal percentage from three is whatever, you know? And obviously the sample size is small because he doesn't take them a lot. But if I'm the Lakers, I want him to take it. I'll let him shoot. I want him gone. We don't want him to take it. Jaron Jackson Jr., off the pick and fade really well, really good jump shot. He can hit he can hit those, like you mentioned, Ben, Luke Kennard, Duke product, we lovely, you know, the white boy shooter, you know, the JJ Reddick type. He oh, yeah. can work. But Desmond Bain, kind of a ghost. Tyus Jones streaking the mid-range even. So I think the Lakers are gonna go into the series and try to force the Grizzlies to shoot because even if they go in the paint, like that's their strong suit. They love to get nitty and gritty. And um I also think the absence of Steven Adams is gonna be really big. That's a big one. Because the, the interior that Adams brings is yeah, it's unmatched. It's like I don't think there's a tougher player in the NBA than Steven Adams. That guy mauls people down low, and when you got Anthony Davis on the other side, you need someone like Steven Adams. Even if Dar- Jaron Jackson Jr. is having a depoy type season, there's just something Steven Adams brings to the table that no one else can bring. He leads the league in offensive rebounds, and those shots that I mentioned that they miss, Steven Adams cleans up. And the fact that you're missing your janitor, your number one employee of the month on the boards. That's going to be a problem for the Grizzlies going forward because the Lakers, they can rebound too. But, yeah, that's, but to the next one, Ben. Oh, Ben, we're excited for this one. Oh, boy. All right. So the Kings, I know you're playing the defensive, the reigning champs. They haven't <laughs> been in a playoffs in 17 years. But they are getting historically disrespected in, by betters. They're 200 point underdogs to to win this series they are i think it's the the biggest underdog by a top three t top three seed since the 80s and i get you you're playing against steph curry clay Thompson, draymond green the whole gang they just won the title last year but this king's team is getting disrespected they have a very very exciting team. they had the best offense in the league this year De'Aaron fox is having a great season demontis Sabonis should be on an all nba team as as is fox kevin herter shooting lights out from downtown harrison barnes is doing his thing in the starting lineup this king's team is good there's a reason why they're a top three c and why they broke their streak of not making the playoffs they're coached very well by mike brown who should better win coach of the year i think um obviously I'll th- i think the home team 
the road games are really going to matter for both these teams. As we know, the Warriors are terrible on the road. Don't one of the best home teams in the league, but one of the worst road teams also. So I think if the Warriors can steal one of these two games in Sacramento, I think that's going to what pushes the Warriors over the top. If the Kings win these first two games at home, it's going to be tough going for Golden State, even if they're going to play the next two games at Chase Center. But I do think the Warriors, with their experience and with Steph Curry, obviously, I think they're going to steal one of those two games in Sacramento. And honestly, I think if they steal one of the games in Sacramento, they're going to go up 3-1 in the series. I think the Warriors are going to end up winning the series in six games, which is an unfortunate end to a a great season for the Kings, one that should be applauded by Sacramento fans. But I think this team is still a year away from truly contending for a title. I think that... um, What was I going to say? Oh, the X factor is how many Warriors fans are going to be at the game. You know, is this going to be like a Rams home game where it, Rams versus Niners, where it was all Niners fans? You remember oh, that? Sacramento's got some insane fans. They're one of the I loudest teams in the league. So I think it's going to be a. I I I I know Sacramento has fans, and I I don't think that's the problem. It's like how aggressive are Warriors fans going to be for tickets? Because is it is it going to end up being like a you know, 70, 30 crowd, or is it going to be closer to like 60, 40? I think it probably leans more Kings fans. And like you said, that, that is massive for the Kings. They need to win all their home games that obviously might, maybe not all their home games, but they need to win, especially those first two games in the series to like cement themselves as like, okay, we uh, haven't made the playoffs in 17 years. But this year, we are actually a team that can contend. Like, we're, we're here, we're winning at home, and we, like, they have to set the tone right away and be able to win game one. Like, that is so massive. They can't, they just can't lose that game, because I think if they lose that game, they mess up their entire, like, everything in terms of momentum for, you know, the amount of years that they didn't get the playoffs is kind of a little bit washed. You know, they need to capitalize on what they have right now. I, it's going to be a really tough series because Curry is one of the best in the playoffs of the last decade, two decades. Like, Guy is so good. He just absolutely locks in, and it's he doesn't like to get denied in the playoffs. So it's going to be a really tough and gritty series. And Golden State just has so much experience in this situation that it, they're going to be difficult to beat. And I really like Sacramento. They're one of the most, I think, you know, likable teams. Probably, like, them and the Thunder, for me, are the most likable teams in the West. So, I'm, like, we're a, a lot of people are rooting for Sacramento. Um, but I think it's just going to be tough for them because of who they're playing in the first round. One of the best, most consistent playoff teams over the past couple of years. So, I... I unfortunately think golden state is gonna win this game this uh series um but i i think that if the kings solidify themselves in the first two games of the series especially that first home game they might have a chance to to take it from the warriors uh yes this series that i'm looking forward to the most as a Warriors admirer, I have to say, I'm excited for this matchup. First and foremost, I want to talk about the chess match that's going to be had with this series. Mike Brown being a Steve Kerr accolade, a student 
of his seven seconds or less pace and space offense is going to be something to watch out because Steve Kerr knows what Mike Brown's bringing to the table because he taught him what to bring to the table. But Mike Brown also is like, hey, I have my own identity here in Sacktown, so I'm going to bring my own little heat to the equation. The thing about Sacramento, though, is I love what they're doing over there, lighting the beam. I'm loving the energy they're bringing, the aura, to a team that's been lifeless for the past however many odd decades at this point. But I think playoff basketball is a different breed. The Warriors against Sacramento this season are 3-1, and and all the games that they did win – Curry just smashed them, and I expect nothing less in this series. I think Curry's going to have the highest point average coming out of this first round. I just think that the Sacramento's really good at, hey, Ben, we're going to verse you tomorrow. We beat you. I see you in two months. But playoff basketball is different. I verse you tonight. I take a day off. I verse you the next day, and then we go back home. I have film on you. I have exposure on you. I know what to expect day in and day out, and At the end of the day, in a situation like that, I'd much rather the guys with four rings and a decade of dominance over some hot youngins that just got here. I think a big X factor for both teams is going to be big man play and shooting percentage. Big man play, I'm looking at Draymond Green and DeMontis Sabonis. DeMontis Sabonis takes on a Jokic-like role being one of the better passers in the NBA as a 6'10 big man. However, there are stretches where they need him to post up, post hook, back fade, drop step, and it doesn't work. However, Draymond Green is one of the best defenders at when he's defending people that are just bigger than him. He just figures it out. And the matchup of Draymond and Sabonis has proven to go in favor of Draymond throughout the season. All the wins in Sacramento, Draymond just locks up Sabonis. However, I'm also afraid of fourth quarter Fox, who is this mythological figure that exists now where he comes in. Yeah, he just comes in and just gets the job done. I think also Klay Thompson coming off of a stellar year uh, regarding three-point three pointers made, three-point percentage, and having the third highest career average in points, he's going to be a dynamic factor in this series. I think it's going to six, and the Warriors edge it out. Yeah. Yep. That's, I think that's how it's going to go. And yeah. it's, it's, just, it's just how it is. Sacramento has maintained its health throughout the season. The only reason the Warriors are at this seeding is health woes, injuries, uh, trade deadline here and there's. But the team that you're experiencing that you're going to see tomorrow at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time is very comparable to the team that won it all. I also wonder when Wiggins is coming back. A big X factor. He'll be back for game one, but off the bench. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's fine. As long as he's back and mentally there. I know he had something with his father. I wish my blessings and prayers are with the family of the Wiggins family. But if he's locked in, oh boy, are people in trouble. Because Golden State Wiggins is a Wiggins that we've been thriving and thirsting for since he was drafted by Cleveland and traded to Minnesota and all these other things. We've been wanting this Wiggins, and he finally found a home in Golden State where he can be happy. And I also want to see Gary Payton turn up, baby. AP2. Absolutely. But I think the Golden State takes this in, in six. I do agree with Ben that Sacramento's getting disrespected, but they're running into a, a seasoned man. Like, they're this running into a guy that got in the first round. Yeah, this, this, they're encountering a Golden State team that's encountered uh, opponents of old, opponents of young, opponents of speed, opponent, opponents of bulk and muscle. Golden State knows what's up. They know what's up, and they're not scared of Sacramento, but Sacramento ain't scared of Golden State. Yeah, both these teams, it's going to be fireworks. You got, 
got exciting. You got the shooting from the Warriors, and you got just the speed and the athleticism of the Sacramento Kings. It, this is going to be one of the better series. But this next series, a lot of you, I feel like a lot of people say this is going to be the best series of the first round. But with certain injuries, I feel like that's not going to be the case. So you got the Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. Grace, mm. how do you feel about this one? I think this is a a pretty even series, but I'm with I'm riding with Phoenix. They finally have a healthy team. They finally have a healthy KD. They haven't lost when they since they've acquired Durant. Durant is so good in the playoffs. It I I think it's Phoenix. I think it's Phoenix, and I don't have much else to say. <laughs> ben, how you feeling about it, Ben? Well, I think this is going to be a completely different series if Paul George was healthy. Yeah. Fortunately, he's not going to be playing unless the Clippers make it to the second round, which I don't think is going to happen because this is a series you need Paul George for. When you, There's so many threats on this Phoenix team. Kevin Durant, obviously. Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton down low. Chris Paul has been stepping up his game a little bit. Um, but the thing is for the Suns, the one thing that could hold them back, their bench is terrible. Yep. it's just not good there's not uh, there's no like like back back before the Durant trade they had a pretty deep bench they had, Cam Johnson was that six manly in the bench now who do you got you got Cam Payne Terrence Ross I don't even know who else is on that bench the Clippers on the other hand without Paul George obviously hurts but they got a very deep team led by Kawhi obviously Russell Westbrook is getting back into form and you got guys off the bench. You got Eric Gordon, historically good six man. You got um, you got Mason Plumlee, one of the smartest centers in the league. And then you got Norman Powell, who's who could win six man of the year. Honestly, I love my boy Emmanuel quickly, but Norman Powell, I'm pretty sure, leads the NBA in bench scoring. I think he's averaging almost twenty a game. So I think the bench is gonna be huge for the Clippers in this series. But I just think Phoenix has too much firepower and. I don't. I think Paul George not being there to defend one of Durant or Devin Booker is going to be very detrimental to the Clippers. So, like the like the Western Conference Finals two years ago, I have the Phoenix Suns winning this one in six games. Ben and Grace, a fireworks of a series, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. I have this game and series going to seven games. And Phoenix is going to take it out. I've been to keel off your beautiful point about the bench. The Suns have a awesome starting five and one of the worst benches in the league. The Clippers have depth. Depth in probably within the top five. The thing about this is I think the Kawhi, I think the biggest person we have to look for here is Devin Booker. Kevin Durant is being checked by Kawhi Leonard, who he has career low averages against so you're going if there is one guy in the league i need to stop kevin durant you can you don't you don't stop kevin durant you just try to contain him right but if there's one guy i would want to check him out of 395 players in this league it's Kawhi leonard so that's fine you're gonna get their stuff too and Kawhi's gonna get his buckets but i think devin booker has to show up because if he's a ghost this is a ball game this is a series because he's the X factor. Because Paul George ain't checking him. Who's checking him? Norman Powell, Eric Gordon, Nicholas Batum, maybe. I don't even Robert Covington. I don't know. I just know 
that it's going to be a major, major thing. And Chris Paul, he might be getting some of his flow back, but his shot's not there. He's missing those those beautiful mid-ranges that he takes. And some of these threes, he's clink-clacking, you know? The assists are always going to be there. The pick and roll with eight and very dangerous. Zubak's going to have a not-so-fun time dealing with a 7-2 DeAndre Ayton lobbing it up, jumping 32 inches in the air. But... I think the biggest X factor for the Suns is Devin Booker's play. He has to show up. And for the Clippers, it's constant pressure, constant foot on throat for Phoenix. Because if they go on dry spells, which we've seen before, when, when a Kawhi sits down or is out or a Paul George decides to take a, a you know, Essencia liquid IV break, they can't score. And Phoenix can score out the wazoo, especially with KD coming in full form and having this full health and exuberance to his game. But I think this goes to seven games. It's going to be an instant classic. And Phoenix is going to have the game tied. And Katie's going to hit a big shot. Or somebody's going to hit a big shot. And it's going to be a, a cap off to a great series. But I think, obviously, Paul George not being here is a huge loss for the Clippers. This is how I, how I see it. Honestly, that's fair. That's fair. I, I would have this series going to seven. And I actually would have the Clippers winning this series if Paul George is healthy. I just think um, Paul George not being healthy is just so huge, especially guarding Booker and Kevin Durant. You you can always stop one of them, and one of them is going to have a field – not even stop, contain one of them, and one of them is going to have a field day. Yeah. But that does it for the Western Conference. Moving on to the East, the play-in the play game at an hour and 15 minutes from now, you got the Chicago Bulls, the 10th seed, playing the Miami Heat, the 7th seed. Yeah. Great thoughts yeah. and opinions and predictions. This is a pretty, it's a pretty close game. Miami played atrociously against the Hawks. That, I was not expecting that, to be honest with you. Oh, Hawks, Hawks are a very even team, as we know. And they kind of steamrolled them and, and had no problem taking care of business there. So I was pretty surprised with Miami um, kind of just like, hanging it up you know they were like yeah we're just gonna we're gonna go to the next game doesn't make sense to me but to me this has to be a game where jimmy butler kind of remembers he's jimmy butler which is something he's kind of lacked to do this year so if he needs to show up properly today chicago has excellent momentum coming back from that massive uh comeback win against toronto toronto was in cruise control for almost the entire game and Chicago Storm back. Shout out to DRD Rosen, who mm-hmm. single-handedly won that game for them. Um, and literally, Scotty Barnes admitted that she got in their heads, which I find really funny. And so, I momentum Chicago. And I'm going to, I even though DR won't be there, I think that Chicago is going to end up taking this play-in game. But I do think they're going to easily it could easily be like a four game like and out of there milwaukee just takes care of business right away yeah this is just it's just it's like a goping setup for slaughter yeah it 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 doesn't matter because both of these teams are truly playing teams they're truly like 500 right under 500 type teams like they're not going to beat milwaukee i mean it would be fun if they beat milwaukee because that's great tv but yeah. I just don't see it. I don't think these teams are good enough. Milwaukee's such a complete team. Obviously, Giannis himself is better than, like, some entire teams in the league. So, um, regardless of 
I think Chicago should win, but it doesn't matter because I think Milwaukee will probably beat them. Maybe, maybe they beat, maybe they get one game and it's, it's a five game series, but I think it doesn't even matter to be honest with you. <laughs> I think the heat take this game. Oh, I think disagreement. Love to see it. I think Jimmy. I, I, Butler, I think, I think Jimmy Butler and co were so disappointed in their open layup missing uh, in their prior that. game. Yeah, like, I've never... I, I see that in, like, you know, basketball parks in New York, sure, because those guys don't have an NBA contract. But these are grown men who studied the game, played the game for a majority of their lives, and were missing open layups. I think Jimmy Butler and co., especially Jimmy Butler, are so disappointed in their prior uh results that they're gonna come out like a in a barnstorm like mm-hmm. they're just they're just gonna absolutely slay and i expect jimmy Butler to go completely off lock in drink the eight cups of coffee that he drinks apparently and just absolutely knock it out the park and i think the bulls are just gonna have too much on their plate when the when the heat come out and i expect eric spolstro to come out with, with a set game plan there's a way to beat the bulls there's a reason that they were the 10th seed and are here you know, um, obviously, DeMar DeRozan came in absolutely clutch, but Zach Levine, you know, he did his thing. But the rest of that supporting cast got to show up, too. You know, I'm not worried about Pat Bev. Alex Caruso has lowered in what we talk about to his degree. Great defense, though. Patrick Williams, whatever, you know, I think the Heat come out and just beat up the Bulls because of what they did in the prior game. However, they're going to run into the guys who I think win the NBA finals in Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, Giannis just does what Giannis does. And poor Miami is going to have their tail between their legs walking home back to, you know, Miami Beach. You know, I think I think the Bucks sweep Miami, but I think Miami takes this playing game. Yeah, I think you I think you bring up an interesting point. This could be like a hate game where like I'm so embarrassed and so mad about how I performed. The we game see this a lot. We see this a lot in sports. Mm-hmm. Like, we do. If you just, if yeah. you just poo poo the bed. Especially a guy like Jimmy Butler, a guy who respects his craft so much, puts in these hours and hours of work, a, a work ethic that we haven't seen since prior generations of players like the Kobe's and other other crazy guys about their game. Jimmy Butler is obsessed with this game because this is the game that gave him life. It gave him money. He came from a place of poverty. This is a different animal you're dealing with. And this is a guy I don't want to see if I'm the Chicago Bulls. I he just has a showed up like he hasn't been that guy the whole season like obviously he's had good games but he's been so a little bit he's he hasn't been the same NBA as we're used to seeing yeah and I think it helps that they are in Miami and you know as like they're not playing the Knicks where it would be a like 50% 60% Knicks fans there you know they're playing Chicago how much I mean Chicago fans have and especially Bulls fans are all over the country but uh, there should be a packed house for miami and they should be able to get a little bit of gain from the home crowd but i don't i just don't know i don't think this team is good enough like i don't think chicago is that great either but i mean i don't know it it doesn't matter they're gonna get yeah yeah they're gonna run into uh mike budenhoser and the big boys you know like it's it's not it's not gonna be good they're gonna win the varsity team this is a jv game right now absolutely Absolutely. so with with this game like you guys said there's a reason why these guys are playing teams they have their flaws miami got absolutely 
body by Atlanta in the rebounding category. Clem Capella ate Bam alive. Facts. Facts. He, had, he had over 20 rebounds. He made Bam look like a little B quadruple asterisk. Um, <laughs> but with, my, with Miami, Kyle Lowry had a vintage game. He had 33 points off the bench in 33 minutes. But yeah. two guys that need to step up are Gabe Vincent and Max Strews, both undrafted guys. Both good stories. They are there to shoot threes. They combined for nine points in 48 minutes last, last time out. And they need to hit their threes if they want to win this game. They don't. Have, they can't rely on Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry be, being Toronto Kyle Lowry because I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to go out and drop a 30 bomb again. Maybe I'm wrong. And, I th- and Bam also stepped really in not 12 points and 9 rebounds in 41 minutes. He's got to do better. And I think, But I do think this is an easier matchup for him than Clint Capella. He's going up against Nick Vucevic, who's not that guy he, he was in Orlando back a few years ago. And Vucevic is by no means as aggressive as a rebounder and defender as Capella is. So I think Bam is going to have a bounce-back game. Jimmy Butler, I think I think this is a game where Jimmy Butler has a, ma- has a masterclass. I think, he, I, he's go- I think he's going to go for at least 30 points tonight i think the the like what you both think i said he's gonna be so mad about how miami what played before that he's just gonna come out and have an insane game now for chicago regarding their wings this is a pretty good matchup for um offensively and defensively because jimmy butler is gonna guard probably demar Derozan because i think they they match up better due to size who's guarding zach levine zach levine is gonna go off they're, Tyler Hero's not going to be able to check Zach Levine. Gabe Vincent can't check Zach Levine. Yeah. Kyle Lowry's not going to be able to check Zach Levine. Victor mm-hmm. Olipo's not that guy anymore. And he's not going to check Zach Levine. I think Levine's going to have another really good game. Um, I don't. I think Vucevic is going to be pretty neutralized by Bam. I'm not going to lie, but I, feel pa- I think Patrick Williams is going to also have a very good game. I think he's going to have a a field day against Max Drews, who's not a great defender by any means. And I have a, I like Patrick Williams a lot. He's one of the better younger players in the game. I think he's gonna have a bounce back game from what he had in Toronto. And I think the scrappy guys, Alex Caruso and Pat Bev, play in Pat. I think they're gonna have very strong games defensively. I think Tyler Hero, who had twenty six points last game, he's not gonna have as good. He's not gonna have as easy of a game going up against Caruso and Pat Bev. So I think this is going to be a close game. Both these teams are, I think, one of the more underrated rivalries in the last few years, going back to the days when LeBron was in Miami and Derrick Rose was in Chicago. Like Chicago did in Toronto, however, I think Chicago. I think this is a close Chicago win. And even if, even though DR DeRozan's not going to be there screaming and making Miami shoot 50% from the line, I think DeMar DeRozan's going to hit the big shots. Zach Levine's going to have a huge quarter. And I think... Um, the Heat are just going to miss their timely shots, and I think Chicago's going to win this one. And going up against the Bucks, I'll be nice and give Chicago ga- a game four win. They're going to have they're going to be gentlemanly swept by by Milwaukee. They'll give they'll give their home fans Chicago something to cheer about. Then they're going to get smacked all the way back to back to um Chicago and Milwaukee in game five. Yeah, it's just lands for slaughter. It's just a uh, feast food for Milwaukee. But uh, I just hope Milwaukee's health maintains throughout. Obviously, they had woes throughout the season. I want to see this full Milwaukee squad fully healthy throughout this postseason. And if that's the case, I don't see a single team in this postseason beating them when they play the way they do. Yeah. All right, Ben. Boston, Atlanta. 
I heard from Boston fans that uh, they wanted Atlanta out of this, and now that they I, got him. I mean, listen, I, I, if I was a Boston fan, I would have won Atlanta too. Miami pushed the Celtics to the brink last season as yeah. a set in the conference finals. They were one Jimmy Butler pull of three away from going to the finals, Miami was. Um, but Boston, I think Boston's the second best team in the NBA. Record might not say they had some slumps in, towards the end of the year, but they've got in my opinion, maybe the deepest roster in the NBA. They got possibly the sixth man there, Malcolm Brogdon. I don't think that's going to be the case, but got a lot of got a lot of guys around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You got Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, even uh, even uh, Lou Cornette with the Cornette contest has been playing some decent basketball. Um, and Atlanta, I just I, this is a terrible matchup for them. There's yeah. nowhere for Trey Young to hide on defense. Because Trey Young can't play defense. And DeJounte Murray, I don't think he's not going to be able to check Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown's just too big for him to guard. And Jason Tatum is going to feast against against Atlanta's forwards. I think he just too fast, too good of a player. And Boston's depth is also going to kill him. Imagine Trey Young having to guard Malcolm Brogdon in the post. That's hey, a nightmare luck. scenario. Good, good luck. luck with that. Good luck. I, I was nice about Chicago getting a game against Milwaukee. Boston is gonna are gonna is gonna sweep Atlanta. Atlanta had Atlanta was the most mediocre team in the NBA, and they're gonna show that in the playoffs, and they are getting swept. I don't think it's gonna be a close series at all. This is gonna be the most lopsided series. Grace, do you think, do you think the same sentiment? Jalen isn't playing the first game or two. Is he out? I, I knew he was questionable for this series with that. Uh, with I the think series. he's. Out because he picked up the bottle or the vase and it vase and he cut his hand. So I think it could be into. I I don't agree with you. I don't. As a Knicks fan, we have an a recent bitter history with the Hawks. Well, we do. And we like do. you said, they're very. They're the definition of mid this year. They yes. were exactly five hundred. They let up the same exact amount of points as they scored. All that. But I could see them. Taking a, a game early if Brown isn't playing because I don't Young is good in the playoffs and I don't think this team is that good but they took care of business versus Miami and as much as I absolutely bashed Miami 15 minutes ago I think that they're no chumps you know so I I definitely think Boston's winning the series I think they're a much better team. And I think that Atlanta is not that good, but I don't think they're pushovers, and I don't think they're pushovers in the playoffs particularly. So I'm interested to see what happens in this series. I'm like lightly monitoring this series to see, but I I disagree with you. I don't think it's going to be a complete four game shutout. I think Atlanta could take a game under the right circumstances. Fair, fair assessment. I'm leaning with, with Grace on that one. I think the, the there are spells where the Hawks just light it up from three yeah. and various jump shots. Sadiq Bay, Trey Young, uh, supporting cast, Clint Capella getting nasty with it sometimes and could cause some problems for a injury-ridden Robert Williams or maybe Al Horford just getting out young, you know, just like the old age might catch up with him. But I, I can see Atlanta definitely taking a game, especially at home sometimes. Their stadium gets uh, awfully loud from what I've heard from a fan from Atlanta that I know. I just think that um, it's just Boston, you know. Um, 
And how severe is a Jalen Brown injury? He had five stitches in between the pointer finger and the middle finger, you know, like mm-hmm. that could that could affect things. You know, I've I've done stuff with stitches on and they pop and they peel. And obviously I don't have Boston's medical staff, but that could those little, little things about it can change your whole game, you know. So we'll, we'll see going forward. But I think this series goes to five, four, one in favor of Boston. Atlanta takes one at home. They cheer and they celebrate. But I think Boston takes this one on, but they're going to have a rough way to go from that point on. Yeah, they they will because this next series, I, this next series, I don't think is going to be close here. We got the Nets and the Sixers. Grace, yeah, this is a once again as a Knicks fan, like this is a pretty rough series to watch. <laughs> um, yeah. But I Philly Philly takes should take care of business with like without a problem. The only thing is like maybe the Nets steal a game at home when Bridges just absolutely goes off. You know, they need Dinwiddie, who just got publicly shamed by Kuzma on Twitter. Oh, um, If he's able to, like... Kind of, yeah, if he's able to, like, kind of put himself together, and um, if Curry's able to play decently as well, they could be able to take a game, but I definitely don't think that they, they're they going further than the first round. Philly's a really good team. Obviously, Embiid's on his MVP, possible MVP chase, Interested to see how Harden plays versus Brooklyn and whether he, you know, shows out more than usual because of vengeance or something against the team. Um, so that's something to watch. That's a that's a interesting storyline. But regardless of that, I think that Philly's taking this without a problem. So yeah, probably I I would say it's like four one. They win in five, Philly, something like that. Probably, yeah. I feel yeah. the same sentiment. I just, yeah, it's it's Philly. They got probably, if voter fatigue, you know, takes over the voters in the NBA, you have the this year's MVP, you know, in Joel Embiid. I just think you're going to run into that. You're going to run into Harden doing the same pick and roll, throwing up to Embiid. You're going to have maybe Tobias Harris coming to himself and the rest of that team, Tyrese Maxey, whatever. Um, could Brooklyn steal a game? Sure. But also, if Brooklyn comes out and just plays really well, you know, the future for them couldn't be bright. You know, they, this team was created that you're going to see tomorrow or in two days um, midseason. Like, like this isn't a team yeah. we've been yeah. exposed to. Like, they're just getting acclimated to each other, let alone Brooklyn, let alone to the coaching, you know? So, yeah, if, yeah. if, if Brooklyn just takes a game or whatever, um, maybe they feel a certain way about themselves. It's like, you know what? This is part of the process. Obviously, we're going to win anything this year, but going forward – we can create a culture here reminiscent of when Dilo was on the team and Jared Dudley and they're doing dances, you know, every, every, yeah. every, you know, I, maybe they can create a culture. Cause I'm a big fan of Mikel Bridges. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Cam Johnson. I love them at UNC and I'm a big fan yeah. of that rest of that roster. So um, if they take a game, I consider that somewhat of a win for them for the season to show, Hey man, let's, let's, let's move forward accordingly. But yeah, Philly, 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 Philly handles this five games four to one. I think that Vaughn has an excellent job steering this ship. Very rocky waters this year. Oh my gosh. He started, he almost wasn't hired. Well, no, sorry. Steve Nash got fired. Yeah. He almost wasn't hired. They're about to hire Ime. Then, yeah, they almost hired Udoka. And then he, they were like, I guess we'll just hire you instead because the backlash on Udoka is so bad. And he's done a fantastic job dealing through 
Kyrie requesting a trade, Kyrie's antics off the court, KD leaving, KD being hurt, all of that. Just completely keeping this team in a playoff position. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I don't know if he's been extended. He should easily be extended because he's just done such a good job keeping this roster together and keeping them a somewhat competent basketball team. So, like you said, Ty, like, I think winning one game, even being in this position, is such a win for this Nets team. I love Bridges. I think he's a great player to build around. He's obviously, he's from Philly, so he maybe he'll kind of see if he can take it to the team that traded him on draft night. Yep. But, you know, I think he's still a little pissed about that, to be honest. But yeah, I don't yeah. Think- I don't think he can take over a series. Like, I don't think he's that type of guy, at least not yet. And I I really don't think he has the supporting cast to do that. But I do think he's such a great foundational piece for this team. And he's such a likable guy. And he's so durable. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He plays every single game. Like, I know we as Knicks fans don't really... We don't love the Nets, you know. They came in not at all, not on our ta- on our territory, and have just kind of like created their fan base of Brooklyn people. But he's such a guy who I would love to see on the Knicks because he's the exact player of like a lunch pail. He should have been a Nick. Yeah, he should have been a Nick. Lunch pail, gritty player, and I'm you know I'm happy to see that he's here. He's in a big market. Um. And I think he's such a good player to to continue to build around. Obviously, they got so many picks from the Durant trade. So um, I, I I do like the Knicks-Nets rivalry. I think it's fun as long as the Knicks keep beating them. As long as we're, we're going to be their big brother, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, the Knicks will always be... They'll always have it'll always be 80-20 in New York, 80% Knicks fans, if not 90-10. But I do think it's I I just like I like Bridges as a as a player and I I like being able to see him up close and and read about him you know in the paper online because he's he's such a local guy but um yeah I I don't think the Nets are gonna take this series particularly far but they've done a really decent job like being able to maintain their composure this season. That yeah, I love you guys. I got Philadelphia in five games, but this net this net team is very comparable to the net team of four years ago when they played Philly in the first round. Young team didn't expect. Well, I guess maybe well from the second half of the season they were a young team, but yeah, people thought they were going to fall off. But and as you said, Jacques Vaughn did a great job. Mikel Bridges was playing like an All NBA player um, since he's been in Brooklyn. Cam Johnson's in his thing coming from Phoenix. Nick Claxton is sneakily having he's having an all defensive type season. He's playing good basketball. Spencer Dinwiddie's been a lot better since he got traded to Brooklyn. Dorian Finney-Smith has been a great pickup in that Kyrie Irving trade. But the Sixers just have too much firepower. Yeah. You can't really stop and beat in Harden. Tyrese Maxey is one of the best bench, one of the better um, bench players in the league. Actually, he may be starting now. I could be wrong. Even though Tobias Harris isn't living through his contract extension, I think he's still going to have a solid series. I think Philly's going to come with a sense of urgency because I think Doc Rivers is getting fired if they don't make it to at least the conference finals. Mm. Which he could have been fired. He could have been fired last year, honestly. I don't particularly like Doc Rivers in Philly. And I think Embiid and Harden's legacy is also on the line in the, this post, postseason because Embiid hasn't made it out of the second round. James Harden has choked in some of the biggest games. He's choked in Houston. He's choked in Brooklyn in the short time he was there. 
I think um, Philadelphia's just going to come out firing, and Bede's going to absolutely body Claxton, and Brooklyn's going to go down in five, but they should be happy with what they're building here. They, it's a miracle that they're actually in the playoffs and avoid the play-in with trading KD and Kyrie, and they got a nice core with Bridges and Claxton and Cam Thomas and Cam Johnson. It's going to be a very fun um, few seasons for Brooklyn. They got assets from uh, the KD trade, so... Excited to see what the future is for Brooklyn, even as a New York fan. Yeah, perfect segue into probably the most anticipated series in the tri-state area, uh, Cleveland and New York. Uh, two Knicks fans currently oh, here, Grace and Ben. I don't know who wants to go first because obviously you got to probably have a lot to get off your chest because this is a big prove-it series for both teams. Where do we start? Yeah. So obviously, this is a lot. I'm sorry, what's up? You want to go? Oh yeah, let me let me. I'll talk for a little bit, and that. So, um, so obviously, there's a lot going on with this series. The whole storyline is that Donovan Mitchell probably should have been a Nick, but either the Knicks didn't pony up enough assets, or maybe Danny Age, being a former Boston Celtic, was like, "We don't want to trade him to New York," so they sent him to Cleveland. Which, and during that time, I was in my bio lab and I fell to the floor on my oh. knees because Donovan <laughs> Mitchell wasn't a New York Nick, but. Might have been a blessing in disguise because we wouldn't have seen the emergence of the young players on the Knicks. We RJ Barrett, as shaky as he's been this season, is still the third highest score on the Knicks, and he probably would have been at Utah Jazz. Quentin Grimes has been the X Factor and the glue guy for the Knicks. He probably would have been at Utah Jazz also. Obi Toppin would have been on the Jazz. We wouldn't have seen maybe wouldn't have seen the Emmanuel Quickly emergence. Maybe Emmanuel Quickly wouldn't be on the team at all. Jalen Brunson and Randall may not have these seasons. There's a lot of things that go into this, but obviously the Knicks are going up against their their hometown guy who they probably should have gotten in Donovan Mitchell. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to start with Cleveland because the Cavs, we know the Cavs well. We're, the Knicks beat them 3-1 to one in the season series, but obviously the playoffs are a different animal. Led by Donovan Mitchell, one of the best playoff, one of the best performers in the playoffs in the NBA. He's averaging, I think, 28 points in the playoffs for his career, and he always shows up in that big time. Darius Garland, all, another all-star guard. He has, he's regressed a little bit this year, but he's still a very good player. And then you got the Twin Towers, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Both great defenders, and they're both seven-footers, so it's going to be tough to stop them in the paint. The Knicks, on the other hand, they have a very, very deep team, which is, I think, their big, which is how they're going to win this series. Spoiler alert. They got Brunson. Who I don't I don't think anyone on that Cleveland team can guard Brunson. He dropped almost fifty points the last time they played. RJ Barrett, shaky as he is, he's improved his slashing. I think he's gonna play well against Donovan Mitchell, who I think is gonna guard him. Because Isaac O'Cora, I think, is gonna be guarding Jalen Brunson. So and Donovan Mitchell's six two, six three on a good day. RJ should be able to buy him in the paint, but obviously for the Knicks to win this series, he's gonna have to hit his threes, which he hasn't done. Quentin Grimes, he's going to be guarding Donovan Mitchell because he's probably the Knicks' best perimeter defender. And if he can like keep Donovan from from not dropping forty points, I think that would be a dub. And he's going to hit his threes. We know that. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, one of the best offensive rebounders in the league, complained about his role in offense a lot, but he's getting back into the groove of things. You know, he's going to block shots, he's going to catch lobs, he'll grab rebounds, be the dirty work guy. And I think him versus Jared Allen is going to be. Probably the second best matchup on this for this Knicks casters besides Brunson versus Mitchell, obviously. But the big question surrounding New York is Julius Randle and that sprained ankle. Well, 
there were doubts that he was going to play in game one, but as Nick Grace, we know as Knicks fans, we knew Julius Randle was not sitting out of game one. Yeah, he's not letting a bum ankle stop him. So he's, I think he's going to play play game one. Shouldn't play as many minutes, in my opinion, because Obi Toppin was spectacular in the games that he started, averaging twenty two points a game on good efficiency. But Randle will be back, and I think Randle is going to have a good time against Evan Mobley because Evan Mobley is a tall player and a good defender. That kid is skinny, and Julius Randle is a big body. He's six nine, which is small for a forward, but He's 250 pounds of all muscle. And I think he can easily take on Evan Mobley. But where the Knicks come into advantage, have a huge advantage against the Cavaliers, the bench mob of the New mm-hmm. York Knicks. Emmanuel quickly has been one of the hottest players in the league since the All-Star, All-Star break, averaging 20 points a game on great efficiency. And he's improved his defense a lot. And I think he should win sixth man of the year. Um, Josh Hart has been nothing short of a godsend at the trade deadline. People thought a first-round pick and Reddish was too much for Hart, but he's been amazing coming to the Knicks, averaging 11 points, I think 7 rebounds, and he's shooting over 50% from 3, plus being the ultimate glue guy and a great perimeter defender on the team. No one expected Hart to be a star, but to be a steady guy in the locker room and on the court defensively and offensively, nothing more you can ask for. I talked about Obi Toppin. He's been hitting his threes, and we know he's going to go out and transition and make the Knicks run. And then you got Isaiah Hartenstein, which people call Jokic of the East. Because he plays, he plays like him. He's, he's, he's a great passer. He's got, he's got good vision. He's very good on the boards. He's a surprisingly good interior defender. I see him got a lot of blocks on dunks. And a lot. And the Knicks um, offense on the, off the bench, I feel like Hartenstein's a huge part of that, just the way he can move the ball. He's, he's just a smart basketball player. And the Cavs bench, led by guys like... Ricky Rubio and Karis Silver, who's not the same guy as he was in Brooklyn. I think the Knicks are really going to take advantage of the bench. And if some, and if one of Donovan Mitchell or Darius Collins on an off night, I think the Knicks are going to have no problem winning those games, which is the reason why I have the Knicks winning in six games. I hope I don't jinx this, but if the Knicks steal a game in Cleveland, which I think they will, I don't see a reason why this game is, why this the Knicks shouldn't win this in six. Yeah, I... I don't like to say my predictions, but I really love this series. Just um, I'm a big fan of Don outside of him being on the team we're about to face. And I, too, fell to my knees when he was not a Nick, but I also was expecting it because it's the Knicks. So <laughs> whenever you really want something to happen or you really think someone's going to be traded here, you know, it doesn't happen. We got fooled by LeBron. We got fooled by... Um, the Utah Jazz front office. It wasn't we got even fooled by everyone. What? We got fooled by everyone. Every star. Everyone, everyone has fooled us. It's you know, and we've accepted it. And I think we're to the point. You know, I think in the past the Knicks really used to just kind of feel sorry for themselves, but Leon Rose has kind of been able to take the reins and be like, well, if we can't trade for anyone because no one wants to trade with us then we are going to just draft some competent players. And that's exactly what they've been able to do. You know, passing on Tyrese Halliburton, pain. But Toppin is a good player when he's able to play enough minutes. So like you said, Ben, I'm really excited to see how many minutes he gets. I think Julius, like you said, will be limited in the first couple of games. I think he's going to play. I don't think he'll play his usual uh, 40 minutes. Like, he he plays a lot. He should have. Yeah. So I think Obi will be able to get a little bit 
more playing time. And I think he's in a really good situation because he came off of some really strong games off the end of the season when Julius was hurt and he was just absolutely cruising. And I think the offense really liked operating under him. So I I I really do like this series a lot because I'm excited to see Brunson on a big stage. You know, Brunson and Randall are really we don't really have a particular like this is the star. It's kind of like these two guys are co-stars. And we get to see Brunson operate as that. You know, when he was on Dallas, Luke is the guy. Luke is the guy everyone's looking to make the big shot and the big plays. And Brunson now in New York, him and Randall are they're the guys who are going to be able to, they have to step up in this case. And we have to see if Julius can improve on 2021 on how he played in the playoffs. And, you know, if he underperforms, I think people will probably associate that with the ankle injury. So my biggest X factor for the Knicks to win this series is RJ Barrett, who has been atrocious this year. He just has not been consistent enough. He just... Watching him is a little bit difficult. Um, seeing him handle the ball, it's just, he's just, he, there were some games where he was just really, really sloppy. And I like RJ a lot. I think he's a really solid player. Um, obviously, his biggest struggle has been consistency on three-point shooting. And they need, the Knicks need one guy at a minimum, to be able to consistently shoot three-pointers, and they they've, they haven't had that in, oh my gosh, so long, like, since Mello. Um, but Toppin has been pretty good this year at being a guy who, and Grimes as well, who you can kind of rely on for that. I think that it's going to be interesting to see Grimes versus Don in the playoffs on defense. Hopefully Grimes is able to maintain his composure. I'm interested to see if Josh Hart maybe makes an appearance doing that as well. Hart, I think, is... Yeah, I think Hart is such a... (laughs) I really just think he's a perfect player for this Knicks team because he does all the things you don't see on the box score that make such a big impact on the game, and he plays with such grit. And something about this Knicks team is just so gritty to me that they're just they just click so well that I really I do like their chances versus Cleveland but I think Cleveland like you said is a really good complete team but the problem is the Knicks have such a good bench operated under Emmanuel Quickly who like you said six men of the year has been playing excellent since the all-star break on every both sides of the ball, he's such a good defender. It's not talked about enough how well he's able to communicate what he sees on the floor to his other guys. And he is so good at being clutch sometimes. I immediately just think of the Boston game. And I think we could have an Emmanuel Quickly game in the playoffs. Oh, we would. It's going to happen. Yeah, if, you know, I'm... I, I'm not really concerned, hopefully, about Brunson. I think he's going to come out and, and take care of business. I'm a little bit nervous about Randall because he didn't play too well in 2021 and dealing with the ankle. But I think, like I said, RJ is going to be the X Factor. And quickly, quickly is as loose as a goose right now. This man is flying so high. His he's at an all-time high. He is... 
the happiest he's the happiest player on the team he's the most positive guy he and really i love is. he always has a smile on his face he's never pessimistic yeah. he always just plays his game and has fun with it you see him dancing after every made bucket yeah he he's so happy to be there he's been playing so well he he loves playing in the garden and something I always think is massive is the Knicks really started off the, the year badly at home. And then oh. in the second half of the season, they really were able to recover and start winning their games at home. You need to win your games at MSG because, oh my gosh, the basically MSG, it's it almost counts as its own person because of how great the energy is. And how if if there's a player who just gets on the nerves uh, on the Cavs, who just gets on the nerves of Knicks fans like Trey Young did in Atlanta, um, in 2021 when they played Atlanta, like there's going to be no mercy. That's how it works in MSG. Even if it's Don, even if it's Don, and because like I don't think Knicks fans hate Don by any means because he didn't have no, any no. going no. to Cleveland. But if I, Don becomes a villain and talks, no I love. Mean, Don is a Knicks fan, so it's so funny because he must be in a really interesting situation. This is the team who I, I think Donovan Mitchell will eventually end up on the Knicks if he's a wash 35-year-old. What? After that contract's up in 2026. Yeah, I, I mean, he could be a little wash. He could be kind of cooked by the time they get him, but I think he'll end up on the team. You know, he's obviously a native guy. Dad played for the Mets. He's always wanted to play for the Knicks and shown his love for this um, city so much. And it was such a good opportunity to to get him in the offseason. It was literally perfect. It was all I ever wanted for the Knicks. And um, but once we kind of revealed, once we kind of heard what was revealed as the package, we saw yeah. that it, it was way too much, way too much. And I think that Leon actually did end up making the right move to not trade guys like quick quickly so essential to the functioning the function of this team he is such a literally such a like you said these glue guys i think quickly it's grimes it's hard who are able to really make this they they are the next to me and they're what makes this team so complete and go from a team that you know has julius and Mitch and Brunson and these good players, but they bring this team together and they're able to fill in the gaps that other players might not have or they the things that they need to improve on. These guys, they're so they just click. They just click with the team. They click with Thibodeau. So I like you said, the bench is huge and I, their bench is so solid and consistently good. And hopefully they can maintain that. And I really hope that there's a lot of Knicks fans in Cleveland. The tickets are $54 right now. <laughs> so, like, I know there are going to be some people who make that tri trip to Cleveland to... to Knicks fans are all over the country. Knicks They'll travel. Fans travel, and Knicks fans will travel for cheap tickets. <laughs> so, all I'm saying is that, that, is that Game 3 at 8.30 at MSG is going to be a madhouse. I'm it's going to be a movie to hear it on Long Island. And I'm really excited. And we, we heard we're getting Mike and Clyde for the call for the first three games because the game's going to be at MSG. And God bless I'm so excited because they're the best broadcasters in the game. In my opinion, my favorite guys to listen to, but 
very biased, of course, but I really do like this is my favorite series of the whole finals, finals, playoffs, <laughs> hopefully finals, um, playoffs matchup just because of how even it is and the Don storyline. Hopefully, Don doesn't do anything that makes me hate him because I really like who he is as a player um, on and off the court. But I do think it's, it's a bit of a storyline. Uh, I don't think it's anything like, you know, Harden and the Nets, I think, is a bit more of a storyline story because he played for the team. Don never actually played here. It's kind of like, what could have been? But, you know, them. yeah, we wouldn't, we probably wouldn't have Hart. We wouldn't have Obi. We wouldn't have Grimes. These guys who have been so integral to the Knicks' success this year, especially Hart in the second half of the season. When we needed to lock in and get that five seed, he was such a stable force. But yeah, I think it's a great series. Very even. Hopefully the Knicks can pull through, but we're going to see what happens. I'm excited. Before I go on on to discuss what my room is probably going to tear itself apart about, uh, I'm going to start by saying it's going to go to seven games and then give who the winner is after the analysis. But I think it's going to seven games, and it's going to be an instant classic as well. To start with Cleveland, Cleveland is a cool, complete team. You have Darius Garland at the helm, dishing and dotting uh, the big men on the team of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Great, great jump shot. Can really light it up from three. Uh, we all know about Mr. Donovan Mitchell, Mr. 70 points. There's not a single soul on that Knicks team that's going to be able to guard him. It's just a matter of how how well can we contain the rest of the supporting cast because Donovan, he's going to eat, and he's going to eat a lot. I'm talking breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe dessert when they're home, all right? Um, Isaac Okoro currently listed out, so I expect Karis Levert to replace him. The funny thing about him, though, I think he's going to be that dynamic force for the Cleveland Cavaliers team. No one's talking about Karis Levert, and that boy is a bucket. Now, granted, yeah, sometimes health is always a concern for him, not readily available, sure. But when he has the ball in his hands and he's feeling like himself, he's going to be an absolute weapon for Cleveland that the Knicks should not take lightly. The Twin Towers, like Ben said, beautifully descriptive, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are going to give the Knicks fits. Great defensive players, gets the rebound, gets nitty gritty with it. Evan Mobley got a jump shot, so he's going to bring Julius Randle out, letting Donovan... Karis, whatever kind of bench they want to dig up, and Darius to go into the hole, right? Whether Mitchell Robinson's in there or Isaiah Hartenstein. And that's going to give the Knicks fits. It's going to be a tough, tough battle on their end. Now, let's go to the lovely, lovely Knicks. Jalen Brunson, love him. Great player. Awesome pickup. Uh, such a Knicks thing to do to find, like, to pick the lesser guy compared to Donovan or whatever, and it somehow works in your favor, and the city falls in love with him. Great on his part, and I expect him to do nothing less in this playoffs. It's going to be incredibly difficult to guard him. He loves the little stop-and-pop mid-ranges. He loves the pick-and-roll, and the boy can slash, being only, what, 6'2", or whatever. He can really get nitty-gritty with it, gets sent to the line. He makes his free throws. R.J. Barrett, I'm going to say it. I love him as a Duke fan. I'm not trusting him this series. I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm scared of what he's going to do that would fail the Knicks team. I think he's not going to do well. And we're all going to scratch our heads and bring the question, damn, RJ, we love you, but you're not doing what you want, what, 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 what we want you to do. And that's going to be a big thing. I love RJ, but I think he's going to sell you guys. Julius Randle, I, we, obviously you don't know the intricacies of the injury and how we handle it, but I hope that he's 100% 
going into the game tomorrow. Because if he's not, the cookie crumbles. Things fall apart. The house of cards finally tumbles with the ace of spades on the top. Because if he's not 100% and he's not there, not only is he not giving the offensive load because he's a left-handed shooter and the ankle is a predominant thing for the left-hand shooter, fine. That's not going to be there. But defensively, laterally, it's difficult when you sprain your ankle. Ben, have you ever sprained your ankle before? Of course I have. Okay. You, know, you know how that feels. That's Hard not fun. That's not fun. And he's going to have to deal with Evan Mobley, who is a very underrated speedy forward in this league. But I'm rooting for Randall. I like his work. Like, I like his work. Big fan of his work. Quentin Grimes has to step up. That's a guy that's going to come out in several different rotational type of situation minutes. And he's going to have to hit some big shots, whether it's an MSG, who I think is the 16th player on that team, or it's in Cleveland in Quick Alone's Arena, right? It's going to be Rock very, very difficult. Rock and mortgage, but got Rock the Rock and mortgage, whatever. I don't know. I just one of the bank ones. But the thing is, how is this going to fare? Like for everything that Cleveland has on the Knicks, the Knicks have something on Cleveland. This is probably the most even series we're going to see. You know, whatever hole Cleveland has, the Knicks got a, got, a, got a perfectly round peg put in there and fill those gaps with what we call just dominance on this performance. This, get, this is going to go to seven games, and I think Cleveland is just going to barely edge it out. How just rude. Barely. Just oh, barely. Dude. Listen, the Knicks is a team for the future. You guys have to do some work on that end. But I think Cleveland edges it out because they just have, I think, a better squad. Jalen Brunson is going to perform. Sure, we saw him almost drop 50 against Cleveland. But can he do that for four-plus games? I don't know. He don't, he don't need to. He doesn't I have to. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all on – I already talked a lot. But I think it's all on Randall not freezing. And playing like 2022 Randall or 2022. He's not, not going to do that because the thing that's different about this Knicks team than the 2021 squad, they have guys that can create their own shots. Yes. Brunson is not Alfred Payton is no Jalen Brunson. We know that. <laughs> oh Emmanuel quickly is a more experienced player than he was two years ago as a rookie, and he is the third shocker in that team. Quentin Grimes is a better Reggie Bullock. RJ Barrett is he's more he's regressed from last season, but he's more experienced. It needs. And, if RJ can knock down his shots like he did last season from the three-point line, that makes the world of a difference. I think this series, the difference maker between winning and possibly losing for the Knicks is RJ Barrett. He needs to play. Like, he doesn't need to turn the ball over. That's, like, the, the bare minimum. Like, do not turn the ball over. Just don't and be afraid to shoot. Just don't be stupid. Yeah. That's really good because RJ makes some boneheaded plays. Yeah, like I really want RJ because we essentially he would have been the cornerstone of that Don trade, and people are burning him pretty badly for not being consistent enough this year. And he he really needs to not like he needs to be pretty well do pretty yeah, well. Honestly, this series. May or may not make or break RJ's Nick career. Because if there's any talk of a star getting traded to New York next year, don't know who, because there's always going to be a star and the Knicks going to be conversations. Leon Rose is always on the phone. RJ Barrett is going to be the main guy in the piece. He's not going to trade quick. Grimes and not Grimes. Brandon Brunson are going to be untouchable. And, yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think they're going to trade Grimes either. RJ Barrett is going to be that guy due to his age, potential, and contract, it matches up with some of the other guys in the league. Yeah. So if RJ Barrett wants to stay a New York Nick, he needs to ball out in this series. 
And I really, I do really respect Leon for holding his ground on keeping quickly in Grimes and Obi because he knew how integral they were to the team. But I also don't want it to be a problem with him where he starts to hold back on trades with guys like RJ who were underperforming. But, you know, they were like, we don't want to pay some of the contract or we don't want to give up, you know, four first round picks. So I think I respect what he did for the Don trade. I think once it came out, it was too much. But I think if if a deal comes around that makes sense, and whether that's like having to give up Grimes or having to give up, like we can't give up quickly. He's so integral to this team or giving up Obi or something like that. He has to make that decision about like, okay, this the team really is one star, one really, one more solid like, type like number because julius and brunson they're like considered second tier players in terms of star status in the nba and they either need one more of those or one like crazy signing like i don't think i think you could miraculously one out we'll see i think he's a perfect guy i think jimmy butler i think he's perfect for the team if he wants out wow that would be really fun yeah i like jimmy butler a lot so that would be really that would I would like that. If 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 the game tonight doesn't go Miami's way, I think Jimmy's gonna want out. But I think if you could like if you went into NBA 2K franchise and you miraculously drop Donovan on this team or Jimmy Butler, like that would be really good for the roster. Like this is perfect to receive a star. Like this roster is perfect to receive. Yes. One. Because I, I think, think Randall is awesome at a three position because sometimes he jumps to that one and he gets carried away and takes these stupid shots. Brunson's yeah. a perfect, like, guy to dish it to you. Let's say you were a wing or a big, you know, you got someone like that. Or even if you were a, another guard, you know, that it, it worked with Luca, you know, for a while. So this is a perfect team to receive that star. But that, I think that's all you guys are really missing, that, that star. This is a perfect supporting cast. This is, it's like, a, Grace, it's an awesome movie, right? Supporting actors get nominated for an Oscar. Everything's, mm-hmm. everything's landing. Cinematography's awesome. But, like, your main actor's trash. You know, they don't like, have a main actor. They don't have they a main actor. It's, like it's like an entourage film. You they know, they have like, two really, really good supporting actors, and they they either need one other supporting actor that's really strong, or they need that guy. A, a, they need a one. They need a guy, a Jimmy. Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. Yeah, Jimmy would be beautifully perfect on this team. Like Luke is obviously a great player. He's a little disgruntled right now. Um, when the when the Mavs pick falls to eleven, um, he's going to be really mad and he's going to want out. Um, but I don't know if he fits on this team. That's the thing because their chemistry is excellent right now, and yeah. that's something that I think is not to take for granted either in this series. How well this team meshes. The only blemish on that front has been Mitch being a little disgruntled on Twitter, but he seems fine though. He's fine now. He kind of recentered himself a bit, which is really good. But I think Leon knows, and that's something, like I said, that I really like about Leon is he knows what guys need to be on this team to keep them together and playing the best basketball they can. So I think if the right guy comes available, like Don was the right guy, but the package wasn't right. But if Jimmy comes around and, you know, RJ has to be traded and a couple firsts and I don't even know who else, like... Even Deuce has- ride, maybe. Deuce, yeah. Deuce or, like, I would prefer really not to trade Grimes, but 
I would hope not. I want Grimes to yeah. be a nickel career. Yeah, I would like Obi. Obi's really interesting because he just doesn't get enough minutes, but when he gets would, enough minutes, I'm trading Obi just because I love him so much and I want him to start another team. Yeah, because we see what he can do as a starter. He's really good. He is really good as a starter. So like, I could see Obi, I could see RJ, Deuce, and then like a couple of firsts, which they have. They have the first from the Pistons. They have the first from Washington. So they're in a position where they can trade those picks if they need to. If a guy who meshes with the team becomes available, like. I don't want to just go out there and go after Luca because he, I just feel like he wouldn't mesh with this team really well, as good as a player as he is. And that could, like, Luca under Tom Thibodeau? Oh my God. What? That would be, that would be really interesting to see what happens in that case scenario. <laughs> so, he's not going to get any loan management games, you know? None of that. Yeah. It should all be fun, though. This entire playoffs, I'm excited because I think they're genuinely one through six and even one through seven on both sides have a genuine shot at anything. Like, it's it's, it's going to be a fun playoffs. Yeah. I'm it's- excited for this one. Tomorrow can't come soon enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Sports Cemetery. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Ben Kuchapudi. And Ty, your favorite point guard, Graham. And Grace, thanks so much for watching or listening. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Bye.